everybody. This is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 108 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So we've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, things are going great for me, too. Thank you for asking. I am just finishing my prep for uh, the 2021 IBJJF Worlds. And so this will be my black belt debut at the Worlds, which is really exciting. Uh, I've never gotten to compete as a black belt. They didn't have worlds last year. Uh, and then, uh, my first year of black belt, I was, uh, I, I missed, I missed qualifying by a few points. And so, uh, this will be my first year. I'm really excited and uh, I'm really ready to go out there and get to do worlds. Uh, that'll be a fun experience. I know if you guys want to watch uh, and you are listening to this episode within two days of it coming out. You guys can check me out on Saturday. If you have flow grappling, I will be competing on Saturday. And uh, as long as things go according to plan on Sunday. And so uh, you guys can check those out. Hopefully I do something cool that makes you go, oh, wow, maybe this guy doesn't suck as bad at jujitsu as I thought he did because of the name of a show. Maybe not, though. Maybe I'll just uh, I'll just prove the name of the show. Correct. We'll see. Uh, but today I have a really fun interview for you guys. Uh, this is a different interview because of, uh, it's not over zoom and it's not in the morning where I'm drinking coffee with one of my friends and we are doing an interview. This is right after a role. Uh, I got to finally meet in person for the first time and, uh, train with Chris Paynes a few weeks back and he and I one of the days just decided hey let's go into the gym early and we'll get some training in and uh, we did like two 30-ish 35 minute rounds and uh, it was very exhausting so you'll find at the end of this episode we start to get a little more quiet and uh, as we get a little tired and that actually caused some audio issues I had to send this off that's why I didn't post uh, an episode last week because uh, it was still being edited uh, because we got so tired and couldn't talk loud enough. And so the microphone didn't pick up everything, but we got it all fixed. You'll notice a little bit of uh, uh, lack of quality in the sound, but I don't think it's bad. I think that most people probably wouldn't even notice. And maybe I'm just being annoying by being the one who notices. Anyway, uh, Chris and I got to train for an hour. I'll tell you kind of what happened because we do reference it a lot in the uh, in uh, in the episode, which is probably like a, a thing that a lot of people wouldn't do is talk about a round with another black belt, especially another black belt that is also a teacher and also has a brand. But uh, what was really fun about Chris and I training is uh, how similar our games were and not games, just our similar approaches to jujitsu and a similar, how similar the way that we kept trying to outthink the other. And so in like an hour plus of rolling, uh, there was one submission each and, uh, man, there really weren't a lot of points scored. It was just really good back and forth. We talk about time loops sometimes on the on the show and that's what happened was we were in a few positions over and over and over and over again and uh, uh both trying to counter each other it's a really really fun experience i i told him after like man i am so glad 
that you were as good as I had hoped you were, you know, because we brought him in for a seminar and stuff. And, uh, you know, I've learned a ton from Chris by doing a lot of interviews with him. And so uh, uh, that's pretty much the all the backstory that you will need before going into this interview. It's a little shorter, but I feel like there is a lot of content and uh, a really lot, a lot of good jujitsu talk in this. And uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. All right, sitting down with my buddy Chris Paynes, finally in person for the first time. We've done a lot of podcasts together, uh, but sitting down in person, how are you doing? Man, I, I was hoping I wasn't going to be this tired like, after that roll, but <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely feeling it. Like going for an hour straight, just like straight in, like there was no warm up. We were like, just, just go for it. And then, you know, we sat there thinking, right, let's feel each other out. And eventually you felt the intensity go up and you're like, uh oh. Like, okay, so maintain this now for like the next hour. So, yeah, I didn't anticipate rolling for an hour straight, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad we did. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if you deal with this, but I met like, especially with the podcast, met a lot of people. You know, I'm sure with the Globe Trotters, you meet a lot of different black belts. And sometimes you end up discouraged because you're like man this guy wasn't as good as i hoped and then we rolled and i was like oh this is a blast this is like i would say that that was probably one of my favorite roles i've ever gotten to do that was uh just because we've known each other for so long and never gotten actually trained and then we actually got to train that was a blast it was like you know we've had these conversations and we've you know it's especially because obviously i've been here now for a couple of days and all the conversations we've had previously on podcasts and then in like person over dinner and stuff. And it was like, you know, we always hit the same beats and like, you know, the same ideas of control and, and rolling and, and how we teach and, and everything. And it was like, man, I wonder, I wonder if we're the same then when we roll. And all of a sudden, like, we, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting the same ideas and reading each other and we're like, damn, yeah, that, that's true too. And like, <laughs> then just got super frustrating. And yeah, I said like, you know, I said the other day, uh, you know, you're, you're like my American brother, brother from another mother. And it's like, oh, it's getting too similar now. It's getting weird. I'm just like the older, more grumpy version of you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just the English version of me, right? <laughs> Is that what English means? Wait, in here, here, that's what we, that's okay. what we assume. Uh, man, that was, I agree. That was the same thing for me. It was like, Oh man, I'm curious, how is it going to be? And then the longer we rolled, uh, just to describe it for you guys, we probably should have recorded it. We didn't, (laughs) but uh, we rolled for about an hour straight and we probably saw the same five or six positions over and over and over. And uh, when you do that, it's like, you know, it's like, that's not common. You know, a lot of times you, you know, you figure it out and go, oh, okay, I've got it. But towards the end of the round, I was like, I guess... I'm going to just continue to attack the same thing that I've been attacking and see if I can get a little deeper this time. Yeah. Uh, since most things were kind of solved by an inch after a round, like where you get to do, you get to train with a good black belt. How do you like, uh, how do you, how do you learn from it? What is your, well, this is what I find interesting is that I don't get to roll with black belts. I, I don't, um, I maybe roll with one or two black belts a year, maybe if uh-huh. I'm lucky. Um, I think I've maybe rolled with one black belt other than yourself in the past two years. Really? Um, 
And even brown belts or, or anyone like that, the only people I really get to roll with on a, on a consistent basis are white belts, blue belts. Like they're the, you know, the only people I, I really get to like get some rounds in um, repeatedly are the, the white belts and the blue belts in my gym. Mm-hmm. Like I may get a, a one or two rounds in my brown belts maybe once a week, but like with, with actual consistency, like it's white belts and blue belts, which is insane. Like, cause then, um, you know, it goes, goes back to, you know, I'll, I'll uh, explain probably a bit for this, but um, you know, having to teach, not having to, but enjoying teaching white belts and enjoying doing seminars and having to really fully understand why I do what I do and what I want people to understand about jujitsu um, means that you know, even when I, I get to roll with a white belt or a blue belt or like, you know, a black belt as good as yourself, uh, I have to be able to read what's happening mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, like we were saying on the, on the match, just like, you know, even though I'm only seven years older than you, uh, I think my maths, uh, <laughs> I'm, I am wasted right now. Me too, um, man. Yeah, like, it's only like seven years difference, but I'm feeling maybe the jiu-jitsu miles and, uh, like, you know, I felt, I felt your, you know, your arms are like twice the size of mine. Like, <laughs> dude, this guy's strong. He's like stocky. He's like, you know, he's powerful. He's athletic and he's got good timing. He's got good speed. I ain't going to beat any of these things, man. I, I can try and maybe like, you know, bully him a little bit in a couple of the exchanges, but he's just going to be there first. And so I was like, right, I'm going to have to try and outthink him on a few things. And and that's where we pretty much then you said we're hitting these, these same positions. I, like, at one point you hit Turl and it's like, well, we haven't been here yet. Like, let's, <laughs> let's figure out what the hell happens here. Uh-huh. And like, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was uh, I think like we were saying, like for that hour roll, uh, you know, we got a submission each on each other in the first, I'd say, like 15 minutes. I caught you, then you caught me. And um, after that, oh man, I think we've probably scored about seven points each. And honestly, after that, neither of us were very close. To, I mean, there were a few times that we could got, get kind of deep yeah. to where we would fight for it and try to get it. But honestly, the other person's defense was... Yeah, you know, it was good enough to just get out. I think you threw about three leg locks, four leg locks on me, and I threw probably about two or three Kimuras and platters on you, and it was just like, nope, nope, not happening. <laughs> and I think this is one of the frustrating parts about you know this this system is that um, you know like uh, maybe it was for my own hubris I called it defend everything on that that one video that kind of took off is that people then look at it and think, well, you lost. Obviously, you can't defend everything. And it's like that implies like. You know, boxers, you know, won't get hit in the face if they understand defense. Like, you will get hit in the face because timing and athleticism and everything like that matters. But this is more, you know, Prometheus. This is how do I give this kind of, like, fight IQ to white belts, to blue belts? And, you know, how do I give the the fire, the black belts to lower belts? And, you know, when, I, when I'm fighting other black belts and we're rolling or competing and everything, it's like... Uh, how you know I, I i want i need this to read what you're doing if i don't have this like i don't have the the athleticism to impose my will i need iq on mm-hmm. this one and yeah like you could you could feel your like i i know you said you've got like how many black belts in you that you train with um so i have i have like four under me that i train with but i actually have quite a big group of black belts that i get to train with in the area man like you could feel that you could feel your timing and everything. I was like, yeah, he gets to roll good on a regular basis. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you notice that you notice that you know how because when when I was coming up, 
that it was it was similar like there yeah. was just no one to train with that was high level yeah uh but now as long as you kind of stay cool with everybody in our area there's so many black belts yeah. and so i get to train with a lot of different good guys it makes yeah. such a difference something i noticed about our role this was like i think the most my favorite part was uh you and i both we're both obsessed with control. We're both obsessed yeah. with figuring out how to control the other person. And most people don't roll that way, but we both used it differently. Sometimes, I mean, there were times that we would both be attacking for control, yeah. right? But a lot of times uh, I get really close or really dominant control and then let people try to fight it and they don't understand and they waste a lot of energy yours was the opposite you would prevent me from getting dominant control and then convince me to waste energy trying to get the <laughs> dominant control and so it was two different mindsets on on training and like the second you know because i guess we did like two 30-ish minute rounds yeah. and the second time i was like okay i can't i can't over fight on these controls because every time i do I get tired in these positions, yeah. you know, that was where you did a really good job. And and both of us use it to try to convince people to wear themselves out. You just used it in a different way that I did. And they, of course, now a way that I'm going to try to steal and use it you know, uh, against other people. Yeah, it was uh, exactly like it was, it was, again, you can see the, 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 the fine intelligence at work. Like we were reading each other's like control cues and like, going, right, I know he wants this joint. I know he wants this. Pummel, I, I'm going to have to kill that early now. And like, one thing I noticed about how we were rolling up, we were really good at hand fighting each other. Mm -hmm. like, that was the predominant thing that was like happening. It was like, you know, it wasn't like just snap. We couldn't snatch controls, which I think maybe at, uh, at earlier levels in jujitsu, like you kind of expect, right? I'm going to get this position. I'm going to get this control. But like the defining characteristic of like, I'd say, there's quite a few defining characteristics. But one of the, the higher characteristics is hand fighting. Yeah, like. You know, you've, you've got to break past that that hand fight. It's like it's like assuming in wrestling you're just going to get in and and get your clinch or your double leg. Like no, you've got to hand fight that. Mm -hmm. And um, like neither of us, we, like, there were some instances where I was sitting like you're like you're, like half guard or whatever, and we're just, there, just hand fighting each other to death. It's like looking for the grips and like two on one each other, and um, we could sit there for like two or three minutes just hand fighting, hand fighting. It was almost like we're not going to get anywhere because. We're not, we're not going to break past each other's timing on this. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I remember, like, obviously, and the part that initially frustrated you was the uh, my hand fighting from close guard. Uh -huh. And you're like, that's super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Will you stop this, please? Uh -huh. <laughs> and, uh, that was, yeah, it was like one of, the, one of the cool things. Again, it's like kind of, um, we both understand this, and I think this is probably going to be part of the seminar later, is this, like, this Prometheus kind of, you know, fire to the white box. Like, what should you be working on? Like how do you create drills that force you to work on the aspects that me and you are actively playing? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do we drill in certain ways? Like, cause I, I do not, I do not subscribe to the idea of how I like uh, standard drilling, like position, setup, submission, yep, uh, or position, setup, sweep, or whatever. I think that's the dumbest thing <laughs> because it doesn't give opportunity for flair and mm -hmm. like, you know, how to work, build on the thing that you know. The, if you if you break up the the uh, like an exchange into four parts, you have the finishing aspect could be the sweep, it could be the takedown, it could be the submission or whatever, and that's like the the, the very end of what's happening. Then you have like the position that allows you to do it, the minor position. 
to like you know Ashi or um, you know cutting uh, cutting for the uh, knee cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have the context, like you know the beginning of it, like you know is it um, from a outside base guard an inside based guard? Is it from a top position or whatever? And then that vast part in the middle, it's just hand fighting. Mm-hmm. And the more proficient you are at that, like you could, if you you could have someone who has like black belt level technique, but if they can't use their hands, that black belt te- level technique is worthless mm-hmm. because you can't go from the context to the minor control position without that hand fight. And if you can just hold that black belt's hands, which is why, like you know, again, I was I was really pushing that on you because I knew that you weren't going to get your game going if you didn't have hands. Uh-huh. And I was just like, right, I'm going to have to hand fight this dude to death because uh-huh. that's just going to make his life so much harder. So that's why in those instances when we were playing like uh, close guard and like half guard and stuff like that, I was like, right, back to hand fight and we go and let's let's make life super difficult for each other. Yeah, of that round, of that hour, 45 minutes, 50 minutes of it were just hand fighting. Yeah. Uh, just from, you know, half guard, from guard, uh, from anywhere. It was just... Who gets control? And then it was, okay, he's got control. He gets control of that side. I'll try to control something on the other side. And then it was, and that was the, uh, that was what caused us to go into these loops is we would both win these hand fighting positions from specific positions, maybe like on top and half guard, you kept beating me on my far arm control. And so like what we look at, like uh, it called like the far side under hook and positions like that. And so then I like, okay, he beats me on that every time I need to focus on underneath his legs control. Yeah. And so uh, when you go with somebody though, that understands that it creates some really like fun and frustrating exchanges because we probably did some of the same exchanges 10 times at yeah. least. And uh, you know, like almost move for move on it. You grab here, I break. You grab here again, okay, I lost it, I go under, and then we would try and doing it over and over. It was Groundhog Day repeated. It really was. Um, but that's the frustrating part is that we both know how important that part is, like this hand fighting aspect. And you know, in the world of like, you know, jujitsu Instagram and stuff like that, and, and you know, you get these, these one minute techniques, it's like, how do you convince people that the most important part of jujitsu is hand fighting? How do you build that into a drill? Like, how do you build that into a day? Like, how do you have it that your students can come in and like, right, guys, just going to hand fight? And they're like, oh, God, no, I'm going home. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be mind-numbing. But it's then trying to create, like, organically those kind of drills where you can, right, you know, I'm going to give you a technique, like, but we're going to make it so this hand fighting is, like, the crucial part that you don't know I'm making the hand fighting that crucial part. Yeah. Um and again, it's like, you know, I'm a part of enough like discords or forums on Facebook groups and stuff like that. It's always like, oh, I need a new technique from here or I get beaten. You know, what's the technical answer to this? It's like, hold their goddamn hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's that, that same, what we were talking about last night. Uh, what, what do you call it? You call it, uh, you call it reverse drilling? Yes. Yeah. So what we're talking about uh, in reverse drilling, taking a step back and say, okay, you're, you're getting beat here. Uh, what if we took a step back? Why are you even there? Why is that happening? If you look at a lot of the positions that we were in, uh, minus when you arm barred me, there was no point where either of us had a fully extended arm, right? We completely made sure that we were going to defend that early, you know? And so it wasn't, 
oh, well, once he got to the armbar, I had great armbar defense. Like, no, he once he got to the armbar, he's controlled. He's deep on that shoulder. He's going to get the armbar, right? And so instead going, well, how do I prevent the armbar? How do I prevent that initial control? That's all, yeah. Like I was saying last night, like over dinner, um, there's no such thing as an armbar from mount. There's no such thing as an armbar from side control or armbar from guard. There's a transition from a major control to a mind control. Like... There's always a name for the position preceding the submission. I you know, call it spider web or whatever before the armbar. The armbar is huh. the, the extension of the arm. Like the control of the shoulder over the body or whatever, or around the leg, you know, that's ashy or saddle or spider web or anything. Like and then the extension of the joint is the is the submission. And you know, to defend an armbar or defend an ankle lock, for example, like you put the boot on or hold your wrist, you're stopping the submission. You're not defending the precursor position. And all you're doing is buying time with your physicality. Like I'm holding onto my wrist in the, in the hope that he just lets go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, like, you know, you, when I when I had the armbar on you, it's the same like when you got the, the heel hook on me. Like I knew that you were defending the armbar because you were holding your wrist. So I thought, right, there's no point me trying to open up your arms just yet until I've spent, you know, I, I consciously thought, I'm going to spend the next three seconds gripping around your shoulders. I'm going to improve this minor control position until eventually, like, the arm bar is a given. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going to be a, a beating of your grip will allow this. And, you know, that's why, again, like, the, the heel hook you got me with is, and you talk about, you know, we, we hear always hit the same beats. Um, you know, I was, I was going for the crusader, like, double knee bar on you, and uh, my leg was probably a bit too deep in for it. And you you latched onto my upper thigh and like had so much of my leg involved. Now, okay, I could have defended, I could have pointed my toes, I could have done so many different things. But it's like it's just gonna buy time. Like uh-huh. I'm not gonna defend this minor control position. You're so deep up uh, my leg. I'm not gonna get out. And so after that, like I, I knew I wasn't gonna enter like leg versus leg exchanges with you. And so every time you kind of like swam underneath me from half guard and went for a heel hook. I was like, I'm not going to defend the heel hook. The heel hook itself, I'm not going to defend my knee in the sense of I'm going to stop a submission. I'm going to stop this minor control position. I'm going to reclaim my joints. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, one of those like, defined characteristics of a black belt is the bite they create in those minor control positions. They, they don't go from side control to armbar. It doesn't exist. They go side control to spider web, create these super tight pinches and then armbar mm-hmm. or they go from guard to ashy create these ridiculous pinches and then go for the heel hook again the problem is it's like those when you're drilling those submissions are full stops they um, you know it's like you know there's a full stop we now swap like we need to get out of that kind of habit when we're, when we're training of I, I'm not going to go straight for the submission I want to go position transition position hold position for 10 seconds while you try and actively escape uh, and then then I'll go for the submission just build that kind of sensitivity for like how do I clamp on to this joint and you know again you you said you were working on the, this pretty much the same control ideas and I could feel that like when you bit onto my, my hip I was like damn <laughs> like here's mind the control he really wants this control position like I'm going to have to fight tooth and nail to get my goddamn leg out of this and when you think about jujitsu in control, then you, in the sense of trying to control, what happens is you think about way less. 
I was not thinking, is my heel in the right spot? Is my knee in the right spot? Am I holding? I, you know, Lachlan says to hold on to the top of the knee. And then Craig says to hold on to the bottom of the knee. Which one should I do? All I was thinking is, as long as his hip isn't free, I can keep attacking this heel hook, you know? And uh, it's the same as when you were going armbar. You did not worry about, you know, oh, am I going to get the extension of his arm? Am I going to break the grip? It was, can I control his shoulder? Can I get my legs deep enough to control his shoulder? And I think we both recognize quickly in the submissions, like, oh yeah, he beat me on the he beat me on the control. That was the whole game we were playing. Yeah. We we're just playing a game of, hey, uh, this isn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's not wrestling, it's not anything. It's just a game of who gets to control the other person. And then uh, you know, when that happens, when you finally achieve that dominant control, that is where you know, everything else came from. Well, it's like we, we both felt like, um, you know, we it, it, it's a double-edged kind of idea in the sense of we knew when, um, you know, we had control. It's like, right, he ain't getting out and I'm going to get a submission. But then on the flip side, it's like we knew, right, I can't get this this core joint, this shoulder, this hip. I'm going to have to abort because, and that's again like, you know, it's amazing because I, I use this idea quite a lot. The amount of people who have like fully extended arm bars on me and they'll be cranking and going nuts. And they're like, man, you've got super flexible joints. I'm like, no, I haven't. Yeah. Like, you had no control over my shoulder. Like, yeah. you didn't have the precursor position. You, know, you didn't control above and below the joint you want. And it looks like magic. But because you don't control that upper joint, I'm just adjusting and, like, <laughs> going against. Like, I remember at one point you got, like, an ankle lock on me. And, like, you really, like, went way back with it and, like, belly down and, you know, rolling around on it. I was just like, right, every time you move my ankle, I'm moving my knee to, to compensate um, as long as I can maintain that, that more core joint of mine, I'm going to be safe. Um, and I think it's through fear and panic we then try and kill submissions. Like, you know, how many times do you see people like stuck in an ankle lock? They like grab the other person's elbow. Uh-huh. That's all like grab their gi. It's like that's not doing anything. Like, you, okay, you you stalled the the submission attempt. You're still stuck in the minor control position unless you've got a really good plan for then escaping your hip afterwards. Or well, that person's an idiot. Like. You're, you're going to get submitted eventually. Yeah. <laughs> that is how, uh, yeah, you can think of defense and offense in jiu-jitsu. The same. We were talking about this last night. Yeah. Like uh, that you can think of defending and attacking pretty much the same as just who has more control. I just did an interview with John Will, and he said uh, you need to eliminate the idea that there are bad positions, he says, because you're always where you're supposed to be. He says, if you're in the bottom of side control, it's because you were supposed to be there. It's because you didn't know how to defend it. You know, it's because that's why, uh, you know, that's how you think of jujitsu and you just focus on getting back. And uh, he gave the example of, you know, trying to get 5% better, right? Always looking for 5% more when you're in what you would think of as a bad spot. And we think of it differently. Try to get one control more. Try to get one more bit of control or free one control. Try to free your elbow. Try to free your shoulder uh, and then go back to to defending. When you think of jiu-jitsu that way, it does become less moves and it mm. starts to become more just it, – it becomes a uh, a complete art you know, yeah. it, it, to, a, to a point. Well, it's like, again, there's enough – I don't – I think it's very rare that you come across a black belt who doesn't – at least subconsciously subscribe to these ideas. I remember, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to like a Danaher seminar maybe five years ago and maybe I didn't appreciate it as much at the time. 
But you know, you say, you know, what is jujitsu? What would you describe jujitsu as to a a layman's person of like, you know, what the hell are we doing? And it's, you know, I take my opponent down because it takes them into a world of um, I limit their physicality, not eliminate, but at least limit um, compared to standing. I then pass the most dangerous part of their body, the legs. I then go through a hierarchy of controls and then I get my submission. And it's like, it's almost like that hierarchy of controls is ignored. Like, yeah. That is the most crucial part. Like, I mean, it was funny actually. I almost say it as a joke, but you know, we have this idea of position over of, of position before submission. And it's kind of like, you know, that kind of mantra of jujitsu. And especially maybe like, I remember this, I was like this maybe as an early belt, but it's like, what do you mean position before submission is everything? Uh-huh. Like <laughs> destroy your enemy. Yeah. And it's like, um, it wasn't maybe until like, like nine years later, I had it written on the inside of one of my geese. Like it was just embroidered in by, you know, I think it was 93 brand and it had position and then like a, like a, a line and over submission. Uh-huh. And I was like, position above submission, as in choose position. Like, if you give up submission, f- uh, give up position for submission, you lose everything. But if you go always keep position, keep control, the submission will always be a given. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the, the, like that's like going for like, you know, say like an armbar. If you go from a major control, you know, core control, you know, torso control, like side control, to a minor control, just wrapping around their arm, and then, you know, like say if they're holding their hands together and they're killing the arm bar, the arm extension, and then you let go of the shoulder to try and kick the other arm away. Uh-huh. You have literally just given up position for submission. Mm-hmm. You've gone against the true mantra of jujitsu. Yeah. And then how many times do you have guys explode out and escape the armbar at that point because you try to kick their arm away? And it's like, they've been, we've been saying this for the past 30 years in jiu-jitsu at least, uh-huh. position before submission. But again, it's like, how do you fully explain it? How do you get that idea across to, to a beginner? Like, It's always control. It's always been about control. It's always been about position. And... If you really um, deep dive into position and almost ignore submission, submissions become inevitable. Yeah. And again, but due to the uh, you know quick but kind of nature of, of what we want out of this sport, that's easily ignored. And um, the people who kind of really appreciate that the most are just black belts. Because like, we wouldn't be where we are without it. I, I think too, I think the way that most people approach what we call the dominant positions, I think that they approach them completely wrong. I think that they approach them from the sense of if you get to the position uh, to score points, and this isn't me bashing IBJJF or anything like that, you know, I, that's where I usually compete, but... I think that can cause a disconnect because uh, I can land in side control and you can have both frames in front of me. I can have no underhook. I have no control of your head. And I can land in side control with your arm pinned with my shin and underhook and head control. 
and I get the same amount of points. So we think of them as the same position. Okay, side control is side control. It's not. No. That difference in I can land in mount with just my knees on the floor and nothing else, or I can land in mount with an underhook. Or I did a Sean Williams seminar. He did a whole seminar on getting in mount as a finishing position. He said like, this is how we do it is we get an underhook from mount, we control the head, and then we get that underhook really high. And explaining it to people, you could see people had never, wait, what what do you mean? You can control somebody from mount? You're already in mount. You already are controlling them. No, you're just sitting on them. You know what I mean? You're not doing anything differently than the fat guy who says, oh yeah, I would just sit on you and that's how I would beat you, right? Uh, You should be trying to control. And I think that a lot of times it's just, it's sold because they say, okay, this is the finish. This is the end part, right? I just do the the collar choke from mount. Like, yeah, but you wouldn't get that collar choke from mount. You don't have any control of the person. Your legs are not in the right spot. Your upper, your weight is not in the right spot. You're not controlling. Hmm. And I think that just the way that it is, it's just sold to people, uh, you know, just from these dominant positions. Oh, you get the back, you do a rear naked choke. Like, no, there is a ton of hand fighting that is going to go into being on the back, which of course in turn gets control or the hand fighting, you know, your hand fighting is the guy whose back is taken. And then you start to escape. You start to get little bits of control back. And so uh, I just think if more people, more people understood jujitsu as Look, all we're doing is playing a game of who has dominant control. Just like when your big brother would pin your arms behind your back, he would have dominant control. That is all you're trying to do all the time in jiu-jitsu. It should be less focused on trying to get the finish. You know, that being said, when you and I were doing our round towards the end, we were like, man, we're losing these battles of control so much. We'll take more risk to try to get control, yeah. right? And you can do that. You know, when we talk about like fight IQ, you know, that's part of it too is saying, okay, I do have to just play a little faster to get control or I do have to uh, play a little differently to get control. But most of the time, people just aren't thinking about control anyway. They're just thinking about, well, if I got my side control points, then I'm, I'm winning, yeah. you know? Well, I was like, you know, I remember reading something, I think it was on the Bullshito forums, maybe. I think it was ever so slightly before I started and I got curious about this whole this BJJ that was in the world. Um, and there was like a forum post and it was like, you know, what what do you wish you knew now, like rules of jiu-jitsu that you didn't know at the beginning, you know, you could tell your early self. And one that always stuck with me and I appreciated it more over time was attackers delete space and defenders create space. And even now, like if I haven't got a specific plan, like I don't have an idea of where I want to go next or, or um, you know, what kind of form of control I want to get, I look at, you know, am I defending right now? Do I feel threatened or do I feel like I'm imposing? And that alone will dictate how I then proceed. So even if I don't have a plan, I'm still making progress. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm defending, I'm creating micro gaps and, and, freeing things out if i am attacking i am taking you know even just climbing an inch higher on something i don't have a plan i'm just an inch higher now mm-hmm. like and you felt that maybe like when i was like you know a, a mount or side control i was just like right i haven't got anything i don't have a neck i don't have an arm but you know what i'm just gonna go an extra inch into his armpit i'm just gonna go an extra inch into his hips and take away and, and 
maybe you know suck my weight down a little bit more and you know every time you move like right i'm just gonna take a little bit more from you like there was no next phase that i had planned but i was like it's going to be enough for progress uh-huh. um which goes into like what you said then like there's a difference between side control when they're framing underneath you and there's like a giant gap like that isn't control yet you can have like you know head and arm head tied to their arm and sitting in both their armpits of all your weight and it's like how is this worth the same it's like they're not the same like <laughs> one the, the the defender is winning on that that first instance is because they've got space um and they're creating more and more space. They're going to win this exchange. Yeah, you on top and you've completely smothered the life out of them. Um, you've taken everything from them and you're just taking more. And like, there's so many of these little rules that, you know, again, you appreciate more when you're like, you've done it a long time. Like, man, if I had like, if I had appreciated that saying, you know, when I started 12 years ago, I'd be so much better now. Yeah. So then it's how do I beat this into people's heads when they're early on? So instead of taking, you know, 11, 12 years to get to where I am now, it'll take them five, it'll uh-huh. take them four or something. And that's only for the, the benefit of jujitsu is that, you know, especially, you know, I, you know, we both come from a similar kind of background of, you know, towns and areas where there's few people training. Mm-hmm. And, and so the only times we ever get better is by making everyone around us is, difficult as possible yeah yeah that is that is what uh you know i think i people always will comment on the uh the culture of my gym Mm. and uh, a lot of the culture has to do with hey this next guy is going to be your best training partner this guy that just walked in he's going to be your best training partner make him your best training partner and uh man you just see people that start to climb the ladder and then they reach down and pull somebody up with them. And it makes, you know, it makes your team better and it makes you better because now you have another training partner. You have somebody else who you can uh, bounce ideas off of that you can try new stuff with. Uh, And I think it's really helpful to, to think of jujitsu and not a too, too much of a uh, hidden secrets way and more of a, I should be trying to get this person better. That being said, after us rolling, I almost don't want anyone to be thinking about control. So I almost think we might delete this one and just not even tell anybody. They're like, yeah, uh, yeah, both Chris and I just were not very good guys. So uh, don't do what we do. Don't even think about it. Uh, actually, I remember having this conversation with Preet, like Preet Mickelson, who I got my black belt from. Um, obviously, you knew that, but just said out yeah. loud. But, um, I, I said it's like a bit of an irony or a paradox or whatever is that you know, there's lots of people adopting his system there's people who look at what I do and go right I'm going to take that into my gym but it's the equivalent of you know say you're uh, say you're at a boxing gym and everyone fights with their hands by their hips and just throws punches into each other's face and everyone just gets knocked out and everyone's got like facial injuries and whatever and then you're the first person who walks in. Like you go away, you learn this control stuff, and you come back in and you start covering your chin. Now all of a sudden starts going, What the hell? I can't punch you in the face anymore. And it's like, cool, yeah, you're the only person in the gym now getting punched, not now not getting punched in the face. But you don't then get any better because no one's gonna test your timing. Mm-hmm. And so unless it's a cultural shift in the gym from the top down. It almost doesn't matter what we're saying. Yeah. Like you'd think like, you know, what what Preet's doing, what I'm doing, and, and Wim and all, you know, the other guy, Francesco and the other guy's doing all this stuff and they're really, you know, 
Charles as well, like, you know, how they're, they're um, really selling this defensive jiu-jitsu and this this new way of looking at things. It almost doesn't matter unless it's from the top. Like, um, you know, you have guys who are getting good, but then they hit a natural ceiling um, and then they get frustrated because it's like, well, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going from here. I don't know. No, no one's beating my timing. No one's beating my controls, but I'm like, I need to roll with someone who does this. And that's why like, we were saying just like, like you said to me after the roll, like this was interesting because, you know, you don't get to fight someone who then, you know, cerebrally tries to outwit you uh-huh. instead of like out physicality you. And uh, yeah, at that point then you're like, man, well, okay, well, I'm, what the hell do I do? Like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's like you, you, that, that frustration needs to be carried across gyms and, and, it should, you know, should be a case that, you know, my students look at it and think, Chris, why are you giving away the secrets? Or pre, you know, why are you giving away the secrets? It's like, it doesn't matter. Unless the whole gym adopts it. I think, I think that that is, I've never really thought of it in those terms, you know, I, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, I always say that your highest belts uh, are, are pretty much who kind of, where the personality of the gym comes from, right? And so like, uh, you know, and you, and you can look at that personality wise, you, you go to a gym that everybody's a jerk. You can usually guess that their highest ranked belts are going to be jerks and they teach people, hey, this is how you act, right? This yeah. is how you, this is how jujitsu people are. And it's the same when it comes to technique is, you know, Hey, everybody plays this here. Everybody does this. This is how everybody looks at jujitsu. And, uh, yeah, that is. That is very important. Do you think it would be really hard for someone, let's say somebody who had never even thought of the idea of control uh, or looked for a deeper understanding of jujitsu? They just understand we show up, we train, we do new techniques. That's what we do. That's what we do every day. Do you think it would be hard for them to adopt that if they ran a school? I think it's... Again, I don't think I've come across a black belt that hasn't, that doesn't do it, either subconsciously or, or consciously. Yeah. Um, but it creates the frustration in jiu-jitsu. It's like, where do I go? What do I do? And then, you know, if a black belt doesn't consciously know they're doing it and doesn't explain it to their white belts, um, you create that frustration. And it then means that, you know, people lose faith in what's happening. And... The black belt's like, I don't know why you're not progressing. If I teach you, the, the main problem we have is if I teach you how I was taught, eventually you become like me. Mm-hmm. But that's the wrong way to look at it. I should teach you what I do now right? and, and be better for you. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that's one of the main things we come across. Like, you know, we have, there are black belts who, who this stuff is based on and their students don't do it because yeah. they're taught you know, how that black belt started out, you know, what's the first guard you ever learned? Closed guard. Yeah. But is that the correct guard to learn first? Probably not, because you need to learn open guard, actually. Um, it doesn't make much sense otherwise. But I'll sort closed guard first. I'm going to teach you closed guard first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, jiu-jitsu takes forever and people, you know, like I remember reading this, like, you know, what's the real reason blue belts leave? But you think, you know, what's the average age of a jiu-jitsu person? between their 20s and 30s. Yeah. And that's probably the part of your life when you're most in flux. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get married, you start to find your actual career, you leave education and and life changes, you know, within a couple of years. 
So it's not necessarily that they fall out of love with jujitsu. It's just that life changes around them quite fast. Normally, if you get like someone in their like mid to late thirties, I think they stick at jujitsu a lot longer because their life has settled into its like beat now. Yeah. And um, you know, if you're taking your time explaining, you know, the theories and the concepts of jujitsu and actually how a black belt, you know, how a, a black belt rolls and not you know what I did to get to my black belt. Um, you will lose guys really fast. But if you can like build them up really fast with like, you know, to what you do now within a you know a couple of years, which is entirely possible, I think you keep a lot more people and you'd have way better people in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's that self-critical thinking of like what do I actually do? And not uh trying to just replicate what you were taught along your path. I do, I do. That that makes sense to me. Uh all right, so we just got a, a little bit before your next private, you know, this guy, we go right from an hour straight rolling to a podcast, right into him doing a, a like a two hour private. So uh, we'll finish with this. I've been asking this uh, on the podcast lately, instead of how do you suck less? We've been going with this. Uh, what is some of the best jujitsu advice that you have ever gotten? I think the one that I've been saying the most recently is... Don't record what I do. Uh, and this is like, I remember trying to book a black belt um, for a seminar when I was, a, I think I was a blue belt at the time. So looking about, uh, when would that be? Like 2014? Um, so I think like, you know, I think I got my blue belt in 2013. I got my black belt in 2019. So it's like six years between actually getting a belt to, to get my black belt. Yeah. And so because I've never met a black belt, I was like, or not, not really come across many of them. Um, we tried to book him for a seminar and I said, like, oh my God, it's a black belt. And I asked if he could record the seminar and he said, not really. I was like, well, that's fine. Okay, that's your, yeah, it's your uh, you know, prerogative. And I, you know, he said, yeah, because anything that I say, by the time I say it, it's out of date. <laughs> and that kind of, you know, especially when I look at, you know, that kind of reverence to a black belt thinking, but you, you finished this. Like you, you got to the end boss and you beat them. Like how can there be any more? And it's that, like, you know, if you've always got that kind of uh, critical level of thinking of yourself and that kind of inflection, um, you will always improve. And, like, even it doesn't matter if you're a day one or you're a one, two, three strike black belt. Like, if you, as long as you keep on going right, I am understanding my jujitsu more just by even saying it out loud. You'll always get better. And yeah. so that's why, uh, you know, I don't mind obviously recording and doing stuff, but it's like, don't take what I'm saying as gospel because by the time I've explained it, I understand it better just by saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is, it's hard for people to understand though, but that is what makes jujitsu art. And that is why, that is why it is not, science right it is you know, we can use science to say this is what we're looking to do this is the idea no even it, it is science in the sense of you know science is always improving yeah, it's always it cr- is. critiquing itself and understanding more mm-hmm. um and like how many you know how many things in the past 20 years do we now know better of mm-hmm. and so yeah there's there's artistic flair to what we do and you know that's the kind of view of it but you know, it's biology and physics. And the more we understand and apply biology and physics, the more we'll understand this this sport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's kind of like scientific, you know, thinking that, you know, there's always room for testing and improvement. I think is what makes this as, as 
there's 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 beauty in science mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, there is and i i always liken jujitsu to cooking because i enjoy cooking so i see a lot of stuff in people uh a lot of the best cooks hate to do recipe books because they say you know that's i don't really measure this i don't i don't know for sure that that's what i use and uh you know that's the amount that i use and you you see that in jujitsu a lot is you can't really say always for sure because how i do a knee cut may be different from time to time depending on how tall the person is depending on how good they are depending on if we're wearing a gi or we're not wearing a gi and you uh uh, the, the idea of the position is still the same. My main points of control, my main goals are still the same. But if you do look at it as Josh said that the knee needs to be three quarters of an inch away from the rib cage or something like that, like, yeah, that doesn't doesn't make sense. You know, it's going to be different every time. No, oh, completely. That's the same. I obviously doing the same later, so people on the podcast are going to miss this. But yes, yeah, the exact same, like. The end product of everything is very definitive. Like I'm destroying the knee, I'm destroying the ankle. The control that allows you to get it is super personal to you, but also super personal to the person you're doing it to, to. And it can't be the same every single time. So those kind of definitive details, like I said, like, oh, it has to be held on top of the knee or bottom of the knee. Uh-huh. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like control that goddamn here. <laughs> I don't care how you do it. Like I did a seminar alongside Iminari last year just bonkers like what the hell am I doing alongside Eminari and you know the guy's like you know five, five foot three or something and the way he holds the, the leg for an ankle lock is entirely different to what I would do huh? but I've got seven foot long legs and I can't squeeze my legs into like he does but the concept of what he's doing controlling the knee and controlling the foot still applies mm-hmm. and you know if you can give your students that kind of uh, freedom to explore the concept they can find their own way and become black belts and not just someone who's replicating what you do. I hate the idea that someone replicates what I do. Mm-hmm. I, it's lazy to just create drills where you copy me. Like, I will never do that. Mm-hmm. Never again. I made that mistake once and it's not happening again. Yeah, if you can, but you're trying to replicate kind of, not even just the way you think, but kind of replicate... Uh, the manner in which you approach thinking, the manner in which you approach problem solving is you say, man, if I can teach somebody this, then they're going to be good forever. You know what I mean? They're going to figure it out on their own, you know, and they'll figure out different things than me. And uh, I think that that is uh, what people should be more focused on trying to attain is the mindset, the way a black belt looks at things versus what techniques the black belt is actually doing on the mat. Yeah, that's like I hate the idea as well of uh, there's an us and them to it. Like you know, the coach on one side and the student on the other side. It's like you know, I, again, it's one of the great things that Preet has said is that you know, don't I'm just better at playing this game right now. Like you might be a doctor, you might be a dentist, you might be an astrophysicist. I uh, to assume that I'm better than you in any way is absolutely insane. Uh-huh. So you know, you have critical thinking skills that I do not have because you look at the world differently. So instead of having an us and them, I am the MC. I am directing the learning, but this is a group project. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to sit down like as, as 10, 20, 30, 50 of us. We're going to get a problem. Like I'm going to set the problem that this needs solving and then we're going to sit down and we're going to solve that problem and we're going to take all the best bits. Everyone comes out and go, right, does this apply? Yes or no? I'm going to build something out of it. Yeah. And... 
that is, that is a definite cultural shift in the gym. Like, there will never be a case that oh, my face is on the wall and you're bound to it. Like, <laughs> that's not happening ever. Maybe one day. Maybe if I build more affiliate gyms. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> you'll, you'll have to. Yeah, yeah you'll have to. I'll send them a post. <laughs> well, if, if you decide to put your picture on the like on the wall and have people bow to it, we'll cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> so, then, you know, so then you can't, no one will be able to go back and say, hey, you said you wouldn't do this. Oh, says I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, it's time for you to go teach. And uh, I look awesome. forward to the seminar tonight. I'm looking forward to it as well, man. Thank you. And that is the episode. Thank you guys for listening today. I hope you guys got something out of this one. I really love sitting down and talking to Chris about jujitsu. Uh, that's somebody that uh, he, he's always trying to perfect the way that he thinks about, understands, and explains jujitsu. And so I could talk to him a month from now and have a completely different conversation about similar topics. And so that's one of the really fun things about getting to talk to Chris. And uh, I really do uh, enjoy getting to have those conversations. I hope you guys enjoy those. That is something we tried a little bit a, a while ago to do at least one a month together. I think more were at like one a quarter together, you know, every three months we do one, but uh, just getting to have those conversations, I, I've gotten a lot of feedback that it's helpful for for you guys. And uh, it's something that's very helpful for me. If you're somebody though, who is looking to have a deeper understanding of jujitsu and don't really know where to start, I highly recommend that you start with my Patreon page. I release a uh, an episode each Saturday called Suck Less Saturday. It's about a five to 15 minute podcast episode. It's audio only. There's no video, so you don't get to see my beautiful face. Uh, I, I would have to charge more for that. And uh, I break down a, a, a something really, I go very deep into something. So for example, we might talk about timing and what that means and how to train timing and how to think about timing in jujitsu. And so uh, I've really been enjoying breaking down these little mindsets or uh, kind of skill developments that we've been looking at. I just came out and explained a new way of drilling that I actually learned from Chris Payne's uh, that we've been experimenting with at the gym and kind of talk about some of the results that we get from that. So if you guys are interested in that, be sure to jump on the Patreon page. And uh, I guess that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope that it helps you suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. What's up, guys? Josh here again. I just wanted to tell you, give you a little more information on some of the other content that I produce that isn't just the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. If you are wanting more information on how to become more efficient and effective in your Jiu-Jitsu training, the number one thing that I always recommend to people is my Patreon page, the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show Patreon page because we release a five to 15 minute exclusive episode every single Saturday. This is called Suck Less Saturday, and it is completely focused on being for your jujitsu training, for your jujitsu mindset, and for your jujitsu progression. And so what we'll do is a quick but deep dive on a different thought, idea, or training method every single Saturday. And you can only get this on our Patreon page. 
I also have a few spots open, depending on what time you're listening to this podcast, for my Suck Less Coaching. What that is, is a monthly cost to get a monthly meeting with me where we meet over Zoom and set some goals based on what you are trying to accomplish in Jiu-Jitsu and set some different training methods uh, to help you get there. Uh, there's nothing like this online right now. There is no Jiu-Jitsu coaching that teaches you how you should be training uh, and it is exclusively on the iSucker Jiu-Jitsu Patreon page. Also, if you guys want to just be in more contact or you want to learn a little more about my ideas in Jiu-Jitsu, I highly recommend that you subscribe that you sign up for Simplifying Jiu-Jitsu. It is a free ebook. It is at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And what we do is we break down the top five positions, the essential five positions of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. These are the five positions where most Jiu-Jitsu, 90 plus percent of Jiu-Jitsu takes place in. And we break down how to train them, how long you should be training them, and what order uh, you can train these things to progress fast and easier with your jujitsu. And lastly, if you guys would just give this show a subscribe and a share, it would be very greatly appreciated. Also, you can review us on certain uh, podcast platforms. If you guys want to keep up with me personally, you can follow me at my Instagram at the Josh McKinney. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you for listening. I hope that you guys listen to the next one.